Hey everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the Hope of Mum and Dad podcast. I'm Becky and this is Fuzz and we this week have no news on our fertility journey. Unfortunately the Wales Fertility Institute is yet to contact us um, so hoping to hear from them in the next couple of weeks if not days fingers crossed. Um, and I'm very aware that lots of clinics are starting to open and really positive and happy for the people who are starting up their treatment again but also a tiny bit jealous um but over to this week's podcast a few weeks ago we spoke to our good friend ed in south korea uh yeah and it was really good uh, ed's, ed's a friend of mine uh me and becky met each other while working in south korea as english teachers and that is where i met ed ed um has met well he has a south korean wife and they we talked to them about their IVF journey and it's a pretty interesting story so try and listen to it to the end because it's a bit there's a few twists and turns in there yeah and uh, it was really like we found out some twists and turns to it on the day like I didn't realize a few things so really insightful really cool really positive and uh, yeah I hope you enjoy the episode what's happening guys uh, we've got a good friend of ours Ed who's been through the IVF uh, journey himself good friend of mine from South Korea Fun fact, me and Becky were actually teachers in South Korea and we met each other. That's where we that's where all the fun started. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, so Ed was there at the same time that we were there, like years ago now. Like a long, long time ago. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. Nine. Um, um but yeah, like Ed uh has married a lovely lady in South Korea and they settled down and started a family and been through IVF. So we're gonna just jump into sort of his story about stuff and uh the, you know, maybe cover some of the differences between the UK system and, and the you know other systems anyway you're on the screen how you doing ed i'm good thanks mate yourself not too bad just trying to have a kid basically <laughs> that would be all you know it'd be a lot better if we uh we had one on the way but you know can't complain so tell us about your journey with ivf well uh it started pretty much after we got married we we were very intimate everything was going really well but just there was no no kid coming uh, friends around us, they're all popping kids out everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, it does get to you a little bit. You end up thinking, well, why not us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we went to a fertility clinic and had a, a quick checkout. Nothing wrong with either of us, according to the doctor. So we, we went ahead with what they call an assisted pregnancy uh, or assisted in, in vitro, which is kind of like where they pump my wife full of drugs to make as many eggs as possible. Then they take a sample of my sperm and inject it into her womb didn't work and it only cost $70 so it wasn't wasn't a big hit Mm -hmm. how Um, long after you'd been trying did you go through that process first Ed it was almost three years Mm -hmm. so it was a long time Mm. yeah Uh, the thing was we we went back to the doctor and the doctor she couldn't find anything wrong with us that's the thing she couldn't find anything so she she sent my wife to another clinic and me to another clinic to get checked out basically I was just not fit enough that's the thing. I wasn't eating correctly. I wasn't exercising enough. Mm-hmm. I was drinking too much alcohol, which you kind of still do. Easy to next do. Subject, Korea, next, subject, next subject. Next <laughs> <laughs> subject. Um, for my wife, though, she had got one ovary that was working really well, but the fallopian tube was damaged and it had scar tissue that was blocking anything exiting it. Anything exiting it. Mm. The other ovary was not supplying healthy eggs. Mm-hmm. to the ratio of, uh, I think the doctor said it was like one in two million eggs would be healthy. Mm-hmm. 
So when you hear a number that big, you, well, that could be a lifetime. Yeah. It could be tomorrow. It could be never. Yeah. So we went back to our original doctor and she said, well, just you're going to have to try IVF. That's the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. So how does that procedure start? How do you get the ball rolling when you're in South Korea well, if you're going through that process? Well, in South Korea, it's a bit weird because you can go to your normal doctor and your normal doctor can just send you to IVF straight, just straight there. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to a fertility clinic and mm -hmm. they can refer you to a doctor or you can just go to the IVF clinic directly. Wow. Yeah. So there's um, like three ways to do it and they're all the same eventually. Yeah, they all end in the same, they all end up in the same path. It's mm -hmm. just one is, you know, it depends on how much money you've got and how impatient you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're on because those, I'm, you know, in the NHS, I think I was staggered by how amazing the NHS treatment is, you know, like I think, Beck, if, can you, if you want to just break it down to people that might not know, but basically the um, it, people that are eligible mm -hmm. get X amount of rounds and then explain it like you are explaining it to an idiot. Like So me. it's okay. different between, in the United Kingdom, it's different in each area. So Wales... I think everyone gets the same, if you qualify, everyone gets the same amount of rounds. And the nice guidelines is that everyone gets three rounds because I think it's like um, a one in three chance that the IVF will be successful. Um, I want to get back to Ed. No, no, but let's just talk about the differences between South Korea and, and the UK because Ed's from the UK and he lives in South Korea. So there might be a lot of expats that we know, especially in the teaching community mm. around the world. So basically in, in the UK, um, a one round, you get... In, in Wales, you get a two or three rounds. Yeah. So so within that first round, like Ed said, they stimulate the female's eggs, uh, pump her with hormones, then they collect the eggs, and then they put the eggs and the sperm together in a Petri dish. If you're having normal IVF or if you're having ICSI, which is what we'll be having, they inject a single sperm, the best one, into the egg directly because um, they don't trust that the two things will meet on their own. Mm. And then after a period of time when the... Um, egg and the sperm have then made an embryo then they transfer that back into the womb yeah so ICSI you get a couple of goes you get a, they'll go right let's make a let's make a good embryo they make as many embryos as they possibly but generally can. they said if I'm remembering this rightly but I think they said generally per round you might harvest 10 good ones it depends on the woman and wow. it depends on the woman and how she reacts to the stimulation really and one, on though, her situation no sometimes procedure. some women go through the procedure and they might go through stims for two to four weeks sometimes longer if they're going on a long protocol mm. um and they could go through all that and then not collect any eggs they could collect one egg they could collect like you said up to 20 eggs but it just depends on the individual um so i thought a general sort of vague average across the board type thing that was explained was that like generally per round we might we, we might collect samples from both and then whether it's six or whether it's the other one mm -hmm. we'll have like 10 good chances and out of those 10 sort of sperm and egg things we'll implant one if that doesn't work we'll go through them all yeah i never think it's as many as 10 because there's a huge drop off after they've collected the eggs mm. say they collected 10 healthy eggs then perhaps only 10 of those that they um, injected with your sperm, only maybe five of them or less might become yeah. embryos. So the that point you that I'm driving transfer. home is it's more than one. Yeah, you and get then, so say, so multiple say, tries. So let's just say like you get five good, good seeds mm -hmm. ready to go. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> out of those five, people think when people think of normal conception rates, they think it's one in every 
you you told me this before. It's know. not good. Anyway, like normal conception yeah. is quite hard. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, with these five tickets for a baby each time, mm-hmm. like the chances for one of them becoming good is a lot higher yeah. than natural conception. So that was something that blew my mind. Um, and then also basically to bring it back, in the N- in, if you're in the NHS in, in the UK, you get multiple rounds. So one round is five chances. You're more than likely... Not necessarily five chances. Generally, just like as an average. Like there's more yeah, than I one. I think it's hard to say. Chance. Yeah, more, it could be more than one chance. Yeah. And then you get three times to do more than one chance. Yeah. But like I said... So the in, odds of getting one child out of the whole system is quite good. Yeah. Yeah. And in England though, it's a postcode lottery. So it depends on where you live and what the local authority are providing and what the NHS mm. in that region, the health board there, um, what they can provide and how they're funding it um so we're pretty lucky to have an nhs yeah IVF, though, we're I fortunate think. in wales yeah but so i mean ed have you thought about, did you think about coming back home as a uk citizen to uh not really no 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 um mainly mainly because to get my wife into the uk uh-huh. wasn't exactly easy mm-hmm. uh I, I don't know why she's a very qualified woman she speaks two languages perfectly mm-hmm. she's she's basically she is at the right level to be a high school teacher and yet yeah. It's not happening. You know, there, there were all these things like I have to have a certain job, I have to have a certain level, we have to have a certain place to live. It, we we it, looked at Canada and America and, and it's the same sort of style of system. It, is. it would not have been easy. I think also the change from Korea to the UK would be Hard. a really big step for my wife, a mm-hmm. really big step. It's a lot to go um, through without your family and your support network around it is, you. It is. And I, I think that's that's the other thing is doing IVF is, is not just – flippant thing you do mm-hmm. so back to it's your really story Ed. and the cultural like in korea <clears throat> like is there because we me and becky obviously know that the cultural differences in korea are huge and you just kind oh, of yeah. you get used to them but you know to to someone that hasn't been there and doesn't know anything about it like could you maybe could you give us a sort of breakdown of how, how ivf is looked at is it is it got a sort of stereotype oh. about it or is it looked at in a different way than it is over here or I think initially in in the in the late nineties people frowned on it. Um, I think mainly because it wasn't understood. It was kind of like a, a failure of the family, and so people were very shy about letting people know. Mm-hmm. But the birth rate in Korea is so low that the government almost promote it mm. uh, to the point where the government pays sixty percent of of the actual cost. So yeah, that's good. It costs about four thousand dollars per t- per time. Mm-hmm. And we ended up paying about one point, well, one thousand three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow! Which, which wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a, it wasn't a massive amount because, yeah. you know, if you really want so, if you really want a child, and this is the route you need to go, then you've got to commit to it. Yeah. And it costs more than that anyway. It, well, it probably does. That's the thing. Yeah. It probably does. Um, basically, though, the the way that the Koreans look at it now is like, well, it's an essential thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. In my city, in Daegu, where, where we, we all were in, Daegu. it has the lowest birth rate in the whole of Korea. Wow. It has the lowest birth rate in the world. But it's got really? the best so, drinkers in Korea as well, though. There might be some it, it correlation does have, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it does have the highest cholesterol rate and the highest alcohol abuse rate. Really? So, so I don't know, maybe that's got something to do with it. But then also, I mean, there was, uh, about six months ago, there was a released document about an environmental impact from six years ago. Mm-hmm where a company had leaked pollutants into the local water system oh, and just hadn't told anybody. Wow. You don't think of Korea like <laughs> it, that. You think of Korea as like a very 
good, decent, not yeah other but they, Asian countries. But there, there are some very shady companies, you know. And I mean, right now we're just seeing how Samsung are getting their the heir of Samsung is being arrested for mm. all manner of dirty tricks. Mm. So. So every company seems to think they can get away with it until somebody catches them. Yeah. That's one thing I like about Korea, though, is that they do, they're quite active about, like, um, you know, they, the, pres, the, the, pre, is it the president? I can't remember, but they basically ousted one of the, the yeah, political. Park, uh, Park they, yeah. They got off her. Uh, they got out, they got on the streets and they University grades or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, but it's interesting to see, you know, people actually taking action going out and getting stuff yeah. done. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think, I think they had, uh, I think it was about 4 million people, something like that, or maybe more in, in one one demonstration. They're all sitting down in Seoul. Wow. And it's amazing to see. Truly amazing to see. I, I just think now, like the way that Ed's just talked about um, how awesome it is, if you've got money to, to put the IVF access in South Korea, like, wouldn't it be good if we did it in South yeah. Korea? Well, actually, medical tourism is a huge thing in South Korea, isn't it? Lots of people, it's one it of the is, prime places for plastic surgery and everything. Indeed, yeah. The plastic surgery mm. is, 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 it's just a bomb here. Yeah. You you literally see lots and lots of people from all over the world turn up for eye surgeries. And LASIK is the, is the number one thing. Yeah. Nose surgeries and chin surgeries are just, wow. Yeah. You know, it's 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 quite scary to think the amount of money that comes in for somebody to have their their jawline made into a triangle. Yeah, yeah. I remember some <laughs> of my students over there telling me like if they pass their university exams and their high school exams that they would get plastic surgery as a reward, yeah, like cheek parents, implants and eyelid kind of adjustments and stuff like that. Is oh God, a whole other word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say, like we got, we we got off track a little bit there. But your, so your route, I think we you explained there was like three different ways that you could go about it. But I don't think we actually went into the way that you did. Yeah. So how did you get to the IVF clinic, and what happened then? Well, we the first IVF clinic we went to, we were recommended from a friend who is a uh, well, she's a senior nurse in another hospital, and it was her friend. She guaranteed this person has a really good rate. Mm. The success rate is good. The 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 economic rate is good. The facility is good, mm-hmm. and we were very optimistic. You you walk into this place, and there's all these pictures on the walls of the babies that she's she's helped make. Mm-hmm. Lots of success stories. You get this pamphlet with all these massive figures on of how many people she's helped. But then when you get in there, she she almost doesn't treat you like people. She treats you like machines. So you were just telling us that you had arrived at your clinic. And your doctor was treating you a little bit like machines. Yeah, literally. It, she just she didn't seem to care about us as people. Mm-hmm. She cared about the product. Yeah. And it was kind of like, give me the money and I'll give you this 33% guarantee. Wow. <laughs> and, and okay, you, when you go in there and you, you get told that you know, genu- generally IVF has a higher success rate. Mm-hmm. And then they say a frozen egg has a 36% chance, a standard egg has a 33% chance because the Korean law says we can only put two eggs in. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, you're, you're looking at $4,000 well, $4, and we're paying $1,300 out and the Korean government's paying the rest. Yeah. And every time my wife does this, she has to go to the local government office, apply for it, mm-hmm. get the doctor to send, send a, a sort of a fax or something through to them. They okay it, they pay their bit, and then we have to pay our bit. Mm-hmm. 
and, and so every time we do this, every time we go, every time anything happens, my wife has to go back to this, this government office. Wow. So it's, it's not, a, not as straightforward as just turn up to the doctor, pay the yeah. money, go through all the process. My wife is going back. Loads of middlemen. Sometimes, sometimes twice a week she was going back because they hadn't received the facts on time or they'd received the wrong information. And so she would be making phone calls to the doctors. The doctor would be saying, oh, but we did that. Wow. So it wasn't, it wasn't like the NHS where you turn up and they've got all your details. They, they know who you are. They know what you, what you, what you need yeah. in Korea. It's very much like a business and, and a clinic mm-hmm. and they keep the two very, very separate and they don't really communicate. So the business side doesn't really talk to the doctor and the doctor doesn't talk to the business side. Mm-hmm. They just kind of get along. Sounds frustrating. But also it sounds like it could be quite efficient well, it might suck that you don't get the human touch and stuff but maybe more people get IVF because well, they're quite militant with it there is there is there is that idea behind it but Korea has this problem with other other options like the pension office and the tax office do not talk to each other <laughs> so, so if the pension office don't get the money because the tax got it wrong you have to contact the, the pension office to talk to the tax office but they won't talk to the tax office so you've mm. got to go but the tax office don't know what you're talking about because the pension office haven't made a complaint. Wow. So, so, <laughs> so some, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong very badly. That's the simple thing. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it, so was it like time, a nice experience? Like, well, I think, I think for me the first time it was very exciting and it was very hopeful. And when you get told all this great information, all the success stories, you can get carried away with the idea that it's going to work for us. Yeah, I think that's a really common thing. You're like, yes, we've got IVF now, so it's going to happen. We're going to come out of this with a baby. Yeah, and you, you've got to rope that in. Mm. You've got to. You, and the worst thing is when it fails, and, and there's, there's a 50-50 chance it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. And when it does fail, you cannot go down the rabbit hole and look for anything in your history that could have caused you to not be able to have a child. Mm. You can't. Because your wife needs you in that moment. Yeah. The same, same as you need each other in that particular moment. Because what your wife's going through and what you're going through are very different things. But ultimately, they're, they relate to the same thing. So you can't afford to go think, well, I got hit in the groin by a soccer ball when I was 11. Did that mm. do any damage? You can't do that. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to. The amount of things have happened to me over the years. <laughs> I literally yeah, wouldn't. I, and I say to Becky, you know, it's... Like I'm very much of that mindset and obviously I get, you know, I won't know until we go through that situation if we do have a go and then it fails or whatever. But ultimately the way I'm looking at it is like, we want a kid, we can't have one naturally. So we're trying IVF and you know, I'm just waiting, waiting thing. But Becky's very in depth with everything. You know, she likes to, I think it's a woman thing. Was Mina the same? Uh, Well, Mina was very apprehensive. I think, not, not because of the way she was brought up with, with money not being, not being around that much when she was a child. And obviously between the two of us earning, we were, we were fairly middle class. Mm. I think we still are. But I, th- I don't think it was so much that as, as th- when she read about it, there was a lot of heartache. And people who had conceived and then lost the child, people who conceived and the child had been slightly deformed or, or had other other problems mm-hmm. that the doctors hadn't picked up on 
there were there were a lot of a lot of very scary stories, and I think she picked up on a lot of the scary stories and kind of moved away from the positive stories. Mm-hmm. So she was also very very self conscious because she was a little bit overweight. We both were. <laughs> we weren't. We weren't. We weren't particularly. We weren't particularly very moving couple. You know? Yeah. You know? We used to play football. Though. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it, it, for her, I think it was very much like she read a lot of the negative things. She read a lot of the, the in-between things, but she got a wealth of all this information. I don't know. I don't know how she, how she calculated it all, to be honest. I don't know where she stored it all. Because half, half the things the doctors told us, I just went, you know, mm-hmm. and she stored it all. It was amazing. But I mean, yeah, I just to circle back same for you. on the, um, you were saying about the fitness thing, like the, um, the, the original doctor, the original doctor said that, um, there was nothing wrong with you both. Like, how do you think that came about? Like, cause well, that think, was wrong, obviously. Right. Well, I don't, from what she was looking at, she wasn't looking from the IVF standard. She right. was looking for the assisted standard. So you've got some people who do the assisted standard who are massively obese and it works first time. Yeah. So again, from her perspective, what she was looking for, we were fine. But for what the IVF was looking for, we weren't fine. Mm-hmm. So when you got to the clinic and you started going through the first procedure with your doctor who wasn't so um, yeah. amenable or <laughs> personal, how did, wasn't approachable. Yeah, how did that go for you, <laughs> that round? I, kind of, I mean, the first time we went, I kind of sat in silence and just listened because it's all in Korean. My Korean isn't isn't it's only about 50 60 percent i can understand anyway mm-hmm. so my wife has to listen very carefully and then i'll ask her some of the things i understood and see if i got it right and she can fill in the blanks mm-hmm. so I, I just sort of sat there and listened but the, the way the doctor sort of just sat back on her chair didn't really engage or make eye contact with either of us just looked at notes more than anything it, it was very there was no personal personal sort of interaction Mm-hmm. I got yeah, a weird, like, um, a weird thing about that. Like, I, I, I can kind of empathise with it. Do you know what I mean? Because they must see hundreds of people, and it's well, not that, per- yeah, it's not as personal, or sensitive to them. And I think, you know, I know Becky would probably hate it because you can read into things and mm. get sensitive about them. Uh, at the same, and the same things that I look at, I'd be like, oh, I don't see a problem with that, but you'll be upset about it or whatever. So I can imagine it causing a bit of upset for people, but um, I can kind of understand how doctors might get like that because after like seeing hundreds of people, like... Well, I mean, yeah. also that, that could have just been the way that she does it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not every doctor is going to be super friendly and super chatty and, and super in, into you. Mm. Uh, some of them are just going to be, well, okay, I understand this case. This is what needs doing. Yeah. Uh, and so we went through the system. We, you know, I went in, gave my sample. Mina went. Mina took all these injections. And honestly, when you inject your wife with a needle, yeah, it kind of freaks you out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was standing in the kitchen. She's like, "It's a Saturday. You've got to do this." And I'm like, "Did you share the responsibility, or did you you do them all?" <laughs> uh, well, her school nurse did most of them, but on the Saturday and the Sunday, I had to do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, it just felt very wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm stabbing my wife with a Yeah. Needle. Oh, bless you. <laughs> you know, and it, it's, I'm, not, I'm not squeamish with blood or anything like that, but it, it's different when you cut yourself 
and you're like, oh man, I cut myself. But when you when you stick a needle into your wife and intentionally, you're like, oh my god, I just hurt her. Yeah, you know. And but she did all of that stuff. We got all we got the eggs out. They were pretty good, healthy eggs. And like I said, the first time she the first one was at topic, so they had to flush it out. Mm. And then we did a frozen one, and the frozen one just failed completely. And and so my wife, my wife was a bit despondent after that. Wanted to yeah. So you'd had two two unsuccess, unsuccessful rounds then. Yeah. We had. Twice twice through with the injections. Um. Well. Or was the frozen it, round more natural? The the frozen round was was. I'm not really sure how they did the frozen round. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I know my wife turned up. They put them in, put two eggs in, and off she went. And it, it just didn't work. And. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't necessarily know if that was, um, you know, the quality of the egg wasn't good enough or, or anything else. I just think that my wife's body wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes any scientific sense whatsoever. But I think sometimes you, your body just isn't ready. Yeah. There is science behind like placebo effects and things like that. Like, like things I thought were nonsense, but they've actually proved that, you know, it, a positive outlook on stuff. And sort of acknowledgement that something's going to change can actually make a change. And I know that how ridiculous that sounds, but there is science. But I have to dig it off. Mm. So after those two unfortunately unsuccessful rounds, um, did you have any support from your clinic and that doctor who didn't have a great bedside manner? Because I know over in in the UK we we have what is commonly known as the WTF, the what the fuck appointment after a failure. A failed attempt and they they have like a a debriefing kind of of what what happened what they did what didn't work and why they think it didn't work and kind of a way forward did they do similar for you over there in korea um, well my i didn't i was at work and i couldn't get time off because mm-hmm. my, my, my the way my school worked was every wednesday we could go home at 12 o'clock afternoon or we could do extra and get a lot you know private more money, money. From yeah the students yeah which well was it worked out really nicely, so I just, I agreed to do that. Yeah. And my wife went on her own, and the doctor wasn't even there. She'd gone golfing. Oh, God. <laughs> Woman doctor. Even though there was an appointment, so they just gave my, my wife this letter and was like, um, you know, this, this fills in the blanks for you. Wow. I think that was kind of like, you know, a punch in the stomach. Yeah. Because my, my wife came home. She wasn't very happy. She didn't want to do it anymore. She got very very emotional very very stressed mm. and just the, the look on her face the way you know the way of the bags under her eyes and their skin in general was just wasn't yeah right. yeah and I, I couldn't put pressure on, i couldn't say let's go back go back let's go back so we said we take a year off mm-hmm. and go, go to a different doctor yeah <laughs> yeah and in, in daegu where there's so many ivf clinics you can just shop around a year later, we went to another IVF clinic. This guy was very much like, "Well, if you're over thirty, we'll put two eggs in. We'll freeze two. This is the amount of money, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And it all, it all, he didn't give any promises. It failed, and then he disposed of our frozen eggs anyway. <laughs> disposed well, without, of them without asking. Without asking. Wow. <laughs> so apparently, uh. an administrative mistake and he didn't get the message and it all went wrong and oh wow that must have been heartbreaking for you well i think i think that was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back to be honest that was it my wife was just like we're not i'm not doing this anymore not doing yeah this. don't want to do this don't want to do this. 
and it, it put a mass, it just put a, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's told you about the, the massive amount of stress that it'll put you under. Yeah. But, you know, my, my wife's emotions went up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And she could, she could flip at any point, hmm. you know, anywhere. We could yeah. be eating an ice cream and she'd just melt down. Just, yeah. whoa. You know, they're like, oh, well, what do I do? Yeah. And they don't, they don't tell you, you know, you should, you should calm your wife down in this way or you should talk to her this way. How? It's just, just like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. I got good practice for that. <laughs> yeah, Fazil say he's well practiced in that, but I think like it, now. it'll probably be extreme. <laughs> Basically, I, Disney Plus and like uh, <laughs> Disney soundtrack yeah, on Spotify, silly dances, <laughs> effeminate moves, little dance moves, Beyonce dances, <laughs> and then we're out of the water. <laughs> I came home one afternoon and my wife was sitting on the sofa and she's crying her eyes out and I, I just, this is not worth it. You know, it wasn't... It, it wasn't worth it. I wasn't going to do it again. I wasn't going to ask her to do it again. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't regret doing it. That's the thing. I don't regret spending the money and I don't regret doing it because I think it did give us a little bit of hope. hope of yeah. Something would happen or something could happen. But I, I, I didn't want to come home from work and see my wife just distraught. It, it, it tore me into pieces, you know. I mean, yeah. what sort of a man would I be to try and tell her to do it again? that's so hard on both of you from both perspectives because obviously she like you said has just got to a really hard difficult place having been through so much and then you obviously hoped for a child and then coming home and seeing her like that is hard for you to see her like that but also hard for you to accept that maybe that's not the way it was going to go anymore well it was it was a hard lesson because uh, I kind of you know, I took myself out, out of the way for a while and went to the coffee shops on my own and things and just try, tried to get my head into the idea that, okay, I might never be a dad. You know, yeah. I might, I might never be able to pick up my own kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you can't, kind of run it through your head of, you know, when you're, when you're 60, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when I don't want to go on vacation anymore, what am I going to do? Who's going to look after you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, eventually you get to that point of thinking. Yeah. Mostly it was about, it was about okay, my wife and I love, I've gone on vacation. We love, we love snorkeling and scuba diving. We love skiing. But how long can we do that before we get bored of it? Mm-hmm. It sounds daft, but a kid doesn't necessarily, having I mean, a kid doesn't necessarily, necessarily make that last longer, but it amplifies it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I looked at adopt, adoption. My wife was like, whoa, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> Currently, this is Korea. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, we'll be fifth class citizens. Ah, you know, which it's sad but true. Yeah, you know, Korea is Korea is not a friendly place for a, for adopted children. It's not friendly. I don't think it ever will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can understand my wife. I can understand my wife's feeling like if, if I'm, she's got a little kid and it doesn't look anything like me, they're gonna think that she's a bad woman. Yeah, it's just the hassle and the energy it takes to just go through it. I know what you mean. Like, it's not obviously it's fine. We Does, all agree that it's cool to do that. But when the whole society is against you and you get looks and people make comments, and is it like, in South Korea? There's so many social stereotypes that you have to come up against. I guess there is. Interestingly, though, um, like go away. In, in South Korea, though, like there's like this kind of positive thing of uh you know westerners you know this it's almost like do you know what I mean like 
I noticed that sometimes people would treat us differently because, well, pretty much everyone would treat you differently as a Westerner or a Weigook. And, uh, yeah, and, mm-hmm. they, you know, but sometimes that, that has positive effects. Like, people would treat you better than Koreans because you're Western. I just thought maybe, I don't know, maybe that would have an effect. I, maybe they would oh. welcome, uh, you know, foreigner kids, especially in Hagwans and academies and stuff like that, because it's kind of like a little, it's like a marketing tool to have. <laughs> it is so for like Hagwans it, it to have. It is in Korea. It yeah. is in Korea, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it would depend. It would depend. And also we, we ran into, I, just looking it up on my own, I ran into the, uh, in Korea, if you're not a resident of Korea, you can't do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, some parents in Korea still have the rights to their child, so you have to buy the rights to the child. Wow. Uh, not sure how that works, but that was that's written down very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, adopting outside the country, you both have to be residents. And there was a whole host of things that were kind of like, even if we wanted to do that, there's a, bro- there's a, blick, there's a brick in the way, and you've got to kick it out of the way somehow. Mm-hmm. There's a bridge, you've got to cross it, you know, you're running, a, you're running, you're just running a race, and everyone is putting things in front of you to stop you doing something. Mm-hmm. And you keep thinking, well, there's all these children that want that need adopting, and there's all these children with good families, and they, they don't, they don't wanna, they don't wanna put these children anywhere. Mm-hmm. But why do they put all these blocks in the way? Mm-hmm. You know, and again, that messes you up even more. But things did get better because we got, we got a little girl. Yeah, yeah, so what, success story. Let's just do the positive bits. Yeah. So, what were your options then? How did how did little is it Lily? How did Lily come about? Well, we went on vacation to Thailand, and I think mm-hmm. we drank a bottle of tequila every night. Between <laughs> um, we we lied to several scuba diving teams that we hadn't been drinking, <laughs> <laughs> which I read read now is extremely dangerous. Um, we got into the airport and bought two bottles each, two yeah. bottles each. So <laughs> came home that lasted a week, um, and we we pretty much just went a little bit nuts. Yeah, you know, so I think we drank pretty much every single night. We watched movies until three o'clock in the morning. Got up, and went to work, uh, half tired, you know, high kids. Yeah, you know, and and. One night, my wife woke up with a shocking pain in, in her right hand side, and she was like, Oh my God, oh my God. She loved rolling around the floor. And I'm like, Oh my God, baby, you're having a miscarriage. This is, this is terrible. There's blood as well. I'm like, Oh, wow. Ooh, you know, not again. You know, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And so the next day, Saturday, she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, You're pregnant. Natural conception. Yeah. Wow. wow. So that was literally like your blowout holiday. You'd gone to Thailand to kind of get away from it all. Oh. Well, I, I kind of think, I kind of feel like maybe all of the stress that we put ourselves under, all mm-hmm. of the injections that my wife had put herself in, being put into her, into herself, all of the appointments we'd gone to, all of the time we'd spent thinking about things, anticipating things, hoping for things. I think when we just let go, yes. Yeah almost didn't care about anything apart from paying the bills, then there it is. You know, wow. sometimes your body just needs to needs to be very, very basically relaxed and then woohoo, there you go. That is a really positive yeah. story, isn't it? And so nice. I'm so happy for you. It's really <laughs> no, lovely. But not so- let me call our daughter tequila. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I get it. <laughs> I've, we've, been, we've been playing with some names as well. Like, I thought Taco would be a pretty cool name. Boy or girl. I'm not allowed to be Vito. Um, but yeah, so the original, the original fertility uh, stuff at the beginning that the doctor said that was an issue was um, female based. Did you get checked out and you were good and stuff? Or? They, basically, they basically told me I got high blood pressure, mm-hmm. high cholesterol, and I, I basically wasn't looking after myself well enough. Yeah. I wasn't eating the right foods to, to sort of increase my potency should i say yeah. did you get a, I mean, did you get a uh, check like uh yes yeah, yeah and were you low medium high normal? Uh, i was for my age i was slightly lower than than the average mm-hmm. not okay. dramatically but slightly lower yeah right. i'm like well like crazy low like literally but it's interesting you said about the scar tissue on the fallopian tube stuff because I've noticed with myself, like I had like a uh, like a little bump and I had it checked out and they said, oh, it's, it's nothing. It's just like a thing. It's just your body. And the more and more I think about it, like I think I've like noticed a change over the years and I, I'm not going to hang on to it like like the holy grail of stuff. But I've it, 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 it's, it's crossed my mind that maybe I've like had a bruise or hurt myself and like my body's just healed in a way and it's kind of like, you know, done the same sort of thing like a bit of scar tissue or blockage or something because i definitely yeah. feel like i my body has changed over the last couple of years yeah and yeah so i'm just you know i we're waiting to see the, the urologist and all that kind of stuff but hopefully I, i'm gonna just politely in a i'm not gonna hold on to it but in a nice kind of maybe it could be that in a nice little thought tuck it away in the back of my head and hope that that could be something yeah you know which would help our chances it could be, but I, I wouldn't I mean, I wouldn't even think about it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's lovely that you've had... In the back of your head, it's kind of going to... It's going to keep eating. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. Like, I basically... I am... Like, the way that I am with everything is I expect... I assume the worst and everything's bonus. Yeah. Like, <laughs> seriously, though. Like, uh, you know, when it comes to... You know, is my car going to break down? Yes, it's going to break down. So what do, I, what, yeah. what do I need to do? I need to make sure I've got a phone that I can call somebody. <laughs> yeah, but, and then that way... When the car makes it there in one go, you're like, oh, okay, here we go. That's yeah. a bonus. It's great that you've had that success though, Ed. Um, even after going through all those failures and, you know, attempts that just didn't work, it must have been heartbreaking. So you must have been we like want, ecstatic when you found out you were pregnant we, with Lily. We eggshells up to the, you know, up to birthday. Well, I think I actually cried. <laughs> That's what my wife told me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was I was teaching a student, and I literally she sent me this message saying I'm pregnant. I was like, "Wow!" Oh my god! You know, it, just this wow sort of it, it. It's so difficult to explain just the shock sort of hitting you, and mm. especially when you didn't think it was possible. Yeah, when somebody tells you one in two million. Yeah. <laughs> then, then yeah, it, it, it was more than a shock. But then I was I was on tender and just I was so sort of stressed after that that anything went wrong. So you know I was my wife my, my, my wife wasn't hungry. Mm. I've got to eat. Yeah, I've got to eat. I'm making you something to eat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I think that drove her up the wall to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it once once we got th- past three months, the doctors checked over checked over Lily and said she's fine. She's grown really well. She's a bit underweight. She's she's in. She's Do you wish they didn't tell you that? Now? Old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
she's not, she's not, she's still in the womb. She's got plenty of time. Yeah. But uh, it, it wasn't a rough ride for, for my wife. I think, I think apart from the sleeping in the eight months and nine, nine months, it was very difficult for her to move around and mm. cut her toenails. That, yeah. That was an entertaining thing. <laughs> but it, it wasn't about, it wasn't bad when she got pregnant. I think her pregnancy was pretty good. She was sick for maybe two months and then mm-hmm. it stopped. And it, it was just, she was okay. Oh, that's, I think that is all you could hope for after what you've been through to just have like a smooth pregnancy. Not that being pregnant is easy by any means, but you know. No extra problems. But yeah, just to have things go to plan must have been so nice. But I, I mean, I still remember the very first time we, we did IVF and getting that phone call from my wife and I was driving home from work and getting that phone call and hearing it didn't work. I still remember mm. just sitting there in the car in the, in, on the red light and thinking, what can I say to her when I get home? What is going to make this better? I hope that we could deal with, you know, uh, uh, think something going wrong and, and just be like, well, we're not worse off than we were before we started. I'm, I try and be pragmatic like that. Every time I say that to Becky, she'll say, she'll find a way to undo it. But basically, you know, we've got our health. Yeah. We've got our friends, we've got our family, we've got like... I'm the emotional one in the relationship, can you tell? (laughs) I mean, it's nice. It's it's not right to me. It's it's validated, but what I'm saying is like, if we try and prepare ourselves now, Mm -hmm. you know, like there is a really high chance that it's not going to work. Yeah. But at the same time, it might not work the first time, but it's like, you know, I think if we just prepare ourselves for it to be, it's like, preparing to run a marathon mm-hmm. if it, you do but you do it in, in in stints definitely so you might do a 10k run and finish yeah but you might not but if you're prepared for the marathon then uh you know i i wish i want to go back to korea in a way now yeah like i miss korea so much just to be able oh, to like you know hang out with everyone exactly and, uh, not exactly being very nice to us foreigners right now oh no but wow, this is, is that, this is what happens. This is what happens when a predominantly foreign sort of area for nightclubs and bars has a, a young man who's not very well and goes to nightclubs and parties with people and infects three hundred people. Um, patient thirty one. Yeah, no, I'm not sure who he was, but I mean, some story said he was gay. Some story says he wasn't. I really don't care about his sexuality. You, yeah, the original. But Korean, but Korean people really do. And yeah. that's the other thing. It's so scary that suddenly, you know, celebrities who are, who are gay can suddenly be pulled up as like, oh, you're to blame too. As in for the whole pandemic? Well, just because one person went to a gay club, yeah, spread, spread the virus to 300 people, they're pulling up celebrities that are gay. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, you should answer for this as well. It's shocking, yeah. isn't it, in this day and age that people can be treated like that? Fine. The original... Fine. Did you see the um yeah. the original no patient thirty one? There was a oh, lady, the Korean lady. She went from Seoul to Daegu, I think. <laughs> yeah, and they were spraying water into it. So like that woman was a lot worse than this latest person they're trying to vilify. The cult, oh, yeah, the cult lady. The worst, the worst thing about the the latest one in Incheon, not in Incheon, in uh, Itaewon, mm. is that a mother's group posted all the foreign people who were teachers who were in Itaewon that night. Oh. 
And the thing that is very worrying is how the hell did they get that information in the first place? Mm. Yeah. In foreign office type of thing for Korea. Well, the police were doing facial recognition and, and tying it to people's social media, which is, I think is a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, but how did this, how did a mother's group get that information and put it on the internet? Hagwan, so you just reach out to Hagwan directors and school well, directors? Do, but the, the, the thing that happened though, it kind of went like a, a wildfire where all of the schools, all of the Hagwans, all of the universities, all the colleges are suddenly demanding that I, that, I tell them where I was on the Saturday night. What? And, I get, and, and if I was in, in anywhere near in Itaewon, in, 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 uh, that I have to go and get a test. I can't leave the house for seven days. It, but, it was, but you live in Daegu? I know, and some people had to sign uh, sort of declarations. <coughs> Sorry. Some people had to sign declarations to say that they, they would not get COVID-19, and if they did, they would resign. Oh my goodness! That's a bit backwards. And we all know that the um, culture in in Korea, when you're um, an English teacher, is that mm. you go out and get drunk. <laughs> that, that's well, part of your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's now it's gone even further though because the Korean government have removed the re-entry visa mm-hmm. for everybody who's foreign. So yeah. you can't go home to see family and come back and. Well. You can, but you have to apply to them, pay a, f- pay a fee, tell them where you're going and why, and then they will okay it. I don't think but you before, can go anywhere anyway right now. No, not right now you can't. Yeah. I think you can only go to the Philippines, I think, right now anyway. Wow. Uh, from Korea anyway. Um, but you have to get a medical check in the country you're in. And this isn't a COVID-19 test. This is a medical check. Wow. On lung scans and all that. Well, again... You go to Thailand for a, a vacation, that can take three to four days to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like Korea where you can turn up and do it on the same day. You have to actually have a bona fide reason in some countries to ask for that. Yeah. And it costs a lot of money. In America, that costs a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, but also the, the massive inequality in this is that my wife's Korean. My daughter has a Korean and a British passport. So my daughter also has to get a medical check. I have to get a medical check. Mm-hmm. Even if my wife and I go to the exact same places all the time, she just walks straight back into Korea, goes to get a job, but I have to take a, t- take a test, get a certificate, come in and quarantine for 14 days. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's and, bananas. And it's, not, it's, not, it's not great over here, though. We're, like, there's problems but, over here with that. Well, yeah. People being too slack. I mean, when, you, when, you're, when you're like me and you you've just finished off your law degree and you're looking at international rights, human rights and things. Mm. It, it's, it's very wrong. It's, yeah. it's very wrong. You know, but I mean, every, like, like Paul said, every, every country's got a problem, but I, I don't necessarily need, need, need to slag Korea off because Korea's done a very good job with the COVID-19 cases. Yeah. They've really kept, kept, they've kept control of it. They're opening up the schools. There's a lot of, a lot of clarity about who's, who's got what, who's going where. It's very, very informative. I think this is a knee-jerk response to a few hundred mothers mm. that got a little angry and got very, very xenophobic. Yeah. So um, can I ask you what it's like as a, a dad, a foreign dad in Korea, um, you know, <laughs> sort of mingling with the other parents and stuff like that? Is it pretty easy to get in, you know, amongst the parent groups and things? Or Well, well <laughs> it, run, it, runs very, it runs both ways. You get, if I go out for a walk 
anywhere with my daughter, we're like we're like magnets. Mm-hmm. It's like elderly people come over and start squeezing their cheeks, <laughs> and all, you know, oh, she's got brown hair. You know, she's got big eyes. You know. Which, which I don't know, like for people listening in the future, right now that might not be the best thing to be happening with social distancing and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially when people pull her mask down. To oh. See, oh. You know, to see if her nose is very Western or whether it's crazy. Yeah, that's one thing I remember about Ajumas. They don't really have very good social boundaries or... I do miss it. Uh, personal space is not a thing. I do miss <laughs> it. It's like everyone... They don't get the idea. They don't get it. Uh, I mean, you do get some more polite people who are like, "Oh, your daughter's very cute," and they don't don't touch her. But then other people are just like, "Oh, you know. yeah." Uh, but we go to a play group at um, the local social centre, and my daughter gets lots and lots of attention from everybody. All the other little girls want to come and. Sadly, they want to touch her hair, mm. and <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't get that. But they're little kids. It's just they're fascinated and, by people that are different, right? Well, yeah, that's, and that's fine because they're not being rude to her. They're not being nasty to her. They're not it's actually rude to her. They're playing kids. with her. Um, and it's nice to see because the parents don't care. The parents come and talk to me as best they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't exclude me either. They don't exclude my wife. They don't shun us at all. So it's, it's, it's quite nice. But I do find sometimes that they, they, they're a little bit standoff until their children start, start to come Yeah. Out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I, that could just be because they they don't speak very good English. Hopefully. It could be because they don't think I speak Korean. Yeah, that's it's, hopefully that. I think you know, generally the Korean experience for from our from what we know is, you know, they're very welcoming and and uh, you know, ex, you know, nice yeah. in general. So, do you is do you have any sort of plans? Do you know what the family unit is going to be doing soon? <laughs> mm-hmm. Are we sticking um, around in Daegu or? No, no, we are. We're currently trying to sell our apartment, but obviously, COVID nineteen is not particularly yeah. very helpful. Yeah, it's, it's it's put a damper on <laughs> damper on everything. We are currently waiting for New Zealand to open the border so that my wife can go to university and I can go get a job. Oh, yeah. amazing! I'd love to live in New Zealand. That's that's the aim. Uh, we've been working on this for nearly three years. And <laughs> How old is Lily? Is Lily? She, she's fifteen months. 15 yeah. Years now. Yeah. Oh, so great. So she'll be two years old when we get over there, and hopefully, yeah. That's it. So, have your visas been approved? Is it just a case of waiting for COVID not, to get lost, kind yet. of thing? Not yet, because uh, my wife has applied through the university to get to for her course. Her course has to give her all the documentation to supply to the the immigration, but they're not fully open yet. Mm-hmm. So, New Zealand have done an awesome job. They have. They've done. They've done a fantastic job. But there's only five million people, and there's five million people who are very, very socially aware. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. If you've got five million people who are all very socially aware, you're you're probably going to beat this really easily. Yeah. But, I mean, if you look at the UK, you've got Mr. Commons just not giving a crap. Yeah, that's really upsetting for us because, like, we've wanted to see family and stuff, and obviously haven't. Um, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean. You, if one person breaks it, and and some and some, you know, say fifty percent of the public are like that's justified. That's that's giving it a ticket. Yeah, mm. saying everyone else go do it. Uh, to be honest, I think that the, the the Tories have wanted this herd immunity thing from the start, and they've just deliberately been as vague as possible to shift. It's basically yeah. the same 
end point, the end product is everyone just doesn't really socially distance and it just gets, their idea is it just gets around everyone and fizzles out, but they've done it in a way so that it absolves them from blame and puts the blame on the public. So. Well, I mean, the number of deaths in the UK, though, well, I mean... It's frightening. <laughs> yeah, and it has a knock-on effect for everyone, you know, like our um, IVF... Our IVF clinic uh, shut because of all the NHS staff that had been redeployed and stuff. So we were literally like two or three weeks away from having our appointment. And then, you know, the virus hit and understandably everyone got redeployed and stuff like that. So we're at this uh, weird waiting game now with the the Wales Infertility Institute. The Wales Fertility Institute. Yeah. Uh, Wales Fertility Institute has officially applied for its status to be opened and it's been granted, but it's not actually operational because they're waiting for staff and and then obviously the waiting list we were literally three weeks away from our appointment um but now they are going to prioritize people who might have turned 39 in that period of window and stuff so we, we really don't know what's going on so but we're just holding our horses waiting for some information and doing yeah. what we can what will be will be mm. Well, I mean, I got my fingers crossed for you guys. I mean, thank you. Just, just, just remember that you, like, like us, you never know when, when it might just, just happen. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think, I don't think, me, I don't think my wife necessarily gave up. I think it was always in, her, always in her head that it could happen, but I, I just don't think she wanted to think about it. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Just, I was letting go was was exactly what she needed. Mm. But uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think the IVF was a waste of time in Korea. I really don't. I don't. I don't regret spending money on it, and I don't regret any of the experiences I got from it. Yeah. Um, I know the one doctor who, <laughs> the very first doctor that uh, that told us there was nothing wrong. She delivered our baby. Oh, that's nice. So, so um, and she was really surprised that my wife was pregnant. She was yeah. really happy. Um, I think that made her day as well. That. Somebody yeah. who thought would never have a child it was I'm delivering her child right now. Definitely. So uh, I, I think you, especially for you when you're starting out, just don't don't think for a second that anything's to blame. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing I'd say is if you, I never once thought that my wife was to blame or I was to blame. I just thought that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I kind of accept that, like, it's my physiology that's the reason. I don't know if yeah. I use the word blame. I disagree I just, with you, though, because, like I said, it's more complicated than that because I've got the issues with my thyroid. And I think the I'd interesting. I happily take the blame to make I it don't... worse. But I, I would. I just like, where? What are you going to do? Like, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go down that I wouldn't go down that road at yeah. all. I'd, I'd steer away from it because, because you. I mean, I don't know in the UK, but I know in Korea, it's like one in 18, 18 people who do IVF gets divorced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we could be one of those lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's, it's, it's a scary it, thought to think that yeah. a marriage can break up because... Ah, uh, no, we've, we've had highs there. and lows and stuff. Like It is a huge thing. Well, I was thinking the other day that, doesn't fade. like you, it was, wasn't long after we got married that, um, that we started trying and we'll have been married three years this July. Um, so it's, it's really similar to your story, but I always think, oh, how different would life be? You know, if we just, you know, if things had gone the way we wanted to and conceived and had a baby by now or, or that we had just decided not to try 
and it wasn't our priority. Mm. I wonder how things would have been, but hindsight's a very interesting thing. And I don't think it's that useful anyway. No, it could no. be all sorts, you know, I'm just kind of an open mind. It might, it might be, we might end up uh, getting to the destination a different route. Yeah. You know, we never know. So cool. Well, oh. we, uh, it must be late where you are, Ed. We appreciate you jumping on and uh, sharing That's your story fine. with us. But we it's will. My daughter goes to sleep at eight thirty, and I have free time after that. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice one. Well, we'll have to ca- we'll catch up with you time. again and see uh, how things are going and how the New Zealand yeah. plans are coming along and stuff. It'd be good to check in and see how yeah, everyone's doing. Yeah, great to yeah. talk to you, Ed. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, cool. thank you very much for for giving us an insight into what the UK is like as well right now. Yeah, no problem. Best to look to you guys. Thanks thank you very good. much. All right, we'll see you in a bit. Talk to you soon. Bye. 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 So a massive thank you to Ed and Mina and little Lily for sharing their story with us. Um, it's not a usual kind of story for an IVF journey. It was really awesome to hear. It yeah, was, you know, lots of twists and turns and the positivity out of it. It was nice. So nice to hear a positive ending because obviously that doesn't happen to lots of people. Although I know a friend from work who went through an IVF with one child and then naturally conceived yeah, afterwards. So, so it's, it's not, possible. not uncommon. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I know I loved hearing the aspect of the experience of IVF outside of the UK. It makes us really appreciate how lucky we are in the UK to have um, an amazing NHS and an amazing service. And the amount of service that you get is incredible compared to other IVF treatments that we've sort of broached upon with other people have had them across the world so big shout out to the NHS we love you thank you and South Korea too it will always have a special place in our hearts so anyone listening anyone listening over there hope you're doing well and Kamsamnida for listening Um, it's been really nice to hear that side of the story and I'll pass over to you for your Twitch venture now our Twitch venture yeah that's a really fancy way of saying uh, come and hang out with us on Twitch on Tuesdays at 8pm mm-hmm. uh, we're just figuring Twitch out it's a new thing for us um, just playing some games hanging out uh, it's pretty cool because you can have a chat room and just it's kind of like a step further than you know we love hearing from everyone on the uh, on instagram and dms and on the youtube comments and all that kind of stuff so uh the twitch is the same kind of thing but we just hang out and people can like leave messages and there's a chat room and it's just it's just like a virtual hangout um and you get to watch becky beat me playing crash bandicoot yeah so i think next week we've got a really ace interview with another couple in south wales and we can't wait to share that with you we've just finished interviewing them so and uh, make sure if you are enjoying the podcast um give us any tips on things that you would like to hear more about if you enjoy the content that we're making it would really help us out if you could give us like a thumbs up and if you want to hear more hit that bell and get the notifications um and the same you get the podcast too like obviously i i don't really like asking but sometimes when i'm watching stuff i forget to do it and i want to do it and then someone reminds me and i'm like oh yeah no cool i'll do that so if you enjoy what we're doing and you appreciate it give us a thumbs up and a, and a like and a subscribe to the channel and stuff mm. um and the same with uh you know wherever you get your podcast if you just listen to the audio then uh, the same for that and give us a review on the itunes store and stuff so sounds super needy but it would really we'd really Needs appreciate rest. it yeah it would really help us out if you could so uh thanks for all the support from everyone and yeah come and hang out with us. come and hang out with us twitch uh twitch.tv forward slash hoping mum dad tuesdays at 8 p.m 
And yeah, we'll swap ca- times from last week, but that's okay. Yeah, we pushed it back. Now. 8 p.m. So yeah, twitch.tv forward slash hope mom and dad, 8 p.m. Tuesdays. And yeah, we'll catch you then. Yeah, goodbye.